Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to get into the message today. The title of my message is Missions, the Heart of Heaven, okay? And for those of you note takers in the room, I've got a couple of notes for y'all. But we're going to go straight into, if you could guess any verse in the Bible, it's going to be Matthew 28. And that's where we're going to sit for a little bit and we're going to unpack it for a moment. And so we're going to read together Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Um, and it is titled The Great Commission. So it should be on your screen. Perfect. I'm going to read it. And yes, I'm going to read it. I wasn't going to see if anything was highlighted for you, but it's okay. It says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. Now, right here in this moment, Jesus has in Matthew 28 risen from the dead. He has conquered the grave, all that kind of stuff. And he has shown up to the disciples going, hey, back, like type of thing. And said, meet me in Galilee. I've got something to tell you. So they are running. So the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee in verse 16 to the mountains where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted him. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember this, that I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Let's pray really quick. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity that I have, God, to just come share what you've just placed on my heart. Father, I pray, God, that you would remove every distraction. God, that you would open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive, God, all that you have for us. We bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Awesome. I love God, and I hope everybody in here does too, and if you don't, I hope you get to know him so you can love him because God is awesome. God is very, very intentional and does not miss a detail in our lives, and I want to tell you why I believe that. We have just went through our series, Kingdom Culture, right, where we were learning the biblical worldviews from Genesis, uh, Genesis 1 to creation all the way to Revelation 21, new creation, right? And we went through at creation, it was God and Adam and Eve, and it was awesome, and it was beautiful, and it was perfect, and it was God and man and man with God, and they were in living together, and it was beautiful, and they were close, and there was no sin, right? But then what happened next? The fall in Genesis 3, right? You got to talk back to me a little bit. We're going to have, this is just conversation today. This is just a family meeting. So we have in Genesis 3, the fall, sin entered the picture and the sin separated man from God. And in that moment, everything changed. The course of our earth and eternity changed forever in that moment because of one act of sin. And we go from there to redemption, we learned about in week three. Redemption, I can basically sum up in John three sixteen and 17. In the CSB version, it says, for God loved the world in this way that he sent his one and only son so that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I love in verse 17 where it says, for God did not, did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That God loved the world so much that in this way, in his kindness, 
in his ultimate sacrifice, sent his son to die in our place so that, and sent his most loved so that we could be loved in return. We got the better end of the deal on that, let me just tell you, for sure. (laughs) But then we have after redemption, it's a new creation, the beautiful picture of what's to come when Jesus comes back again and all will be made right once more. No more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more heartbreak, nothing. We'll be in the presence of God in the new heavens and the new earths, and it's incredible. But you see the story of creation all the way from Genesis 3, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 to the fall, to redemption, to the new creation in Revelation 21. We learned all of this on purpose. And I think God kind of set it up for us in this sense because if we didn't understand this kingdom culture, missions just wouldn't make sense to us. It wouldn't make sense at all because missions can easily look like a handout. It can look like a vacation. It could look like a check. I did a good job. I'm a good Christian. Awesome. I don't need to do any of that anymore type of thing. But it's so much more than that because you see God is missional. He's on a mission. So the second sin separated him from man from Genesis 3 to Revelation 21. He was on a mission to restore back to man and God's original design to be close like he was with Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's what we do here as believers. We carry the good news of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be back close in communion with God was for a sacrifice that had to be made. And like I said earlier, we got the better end of the deal on that, I'll tell you that. But God was on mission to be close to man once more and wasn't gonna stop until that happened. Now we have a choice, we have an option, but God's gonna do everything that he can. And the cool thing is, and you could go, okay, that's cool, Hannah, awesome. God wants to be close, but God is close to me. What does this have to do with me? I'm so glad you asked that question. Thank you so much. I'm going to help you answer it right now. We're going to go back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. The 11 disciples have traveled to Galilee because Jesus told them, meet me there. And they're like, get out of the way. I had the honor and the privilege this summer to go to Galilee myself. And go with my sister and a mentor of mine. You want to talk about heaven on earth. I'll tell you this, if you ever have an opportunity to go to Israel, go. It feels like you're coming home because it's every believer's like pilgrimage back to the place. God blesses a people, but he also blesses a land. And you will see that Israel is very blessed. And we had the honor and privilege of going and studying the word of God through the book of John. And I got to see the city and walk around the city of Galilee and walk around the sea. And you're just going, what? Jesus was here. The synagogue where he taught, I'm standing where he stood, all that kind of stuff. And if I was the disciples, I'd be running too to come back to Galilee. So they go back and Jesus, and when they saw him, some worshiped him, but some doubted him. I've read the Great Commission, I can't tell you how many times, over and over and over again. From a young age, I felt called to the ministry at 12 years old, specifically into missions, global missions. And Matthew 28 was my, like my life verse. Go and make those eyeballs. All this kind of stuff is awesome. We're gonna tell the truth, shame the devil, all that. Ah, like, like I was the savior of the world. Joke's on me. I'm a very imperfect person that God has chosen, like each one of you, to carry a very perfect message. 
of going, Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy, I'm the chief of sinners, I'm the worst of the worst, yet God still calls me worthy of carrying his message. What an honor. You know what I mean? And so we look at that. Some worshiped and some doubted. And I got to be honest with y'all. For over the last several months, I've been sitting on that because I've read scripture too fast. Just flying through it to say I did it. And I'd catch things here and there. But I stopped and the Holy Spirit really brought me back to this. Some worshiped, but some doubted. And I started asking the Lord, like, what is it like? What you want to say? Big dog, like, help me out. I don't know anything. Like, teach me something. And I thought, because earlier in Matthew 28, a verse says this. In verse 8, it says, So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran and told the disciples the news that Jesus had risen. With fear and great joy. Some worshipped and some doubted. And I thought that was really cool to go, hmm, both can exist at the same time. Worship and doubt. Fear and joy. But I will tell you this. They can't always exist forever at the same time. One's going to give way to the other. Because if I keep giving in to doubt and to fear and discouragement, and all, it's very hard to worship. It's very hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's very hard to believe the truth. But when I give way to worship... And I start saying, like Isaac said, I'm going, God, you want to talk about God's in the details? From what Isaac said to what Tammy said, I'm going, they're just preaching my whole daggum message. Like, I don't have to do anything. But going with what comes out of our mouths really does change things. The Bible says that the life is in the, life and death is in the tongue. And when we look and go, okay, some worship, some doubt it, it's okay to be afraid. Because some of you might go, oh, she's just going to get up here and tell me I got to go on a mission trip and I got to spend all this money and why can't we do stuff here and all that kind of stuff. We'll get to that later. Don't worry. (laughs) Doubter, we'll get to that later. (laughs) In the presence of the risen king, these disciples, some fell to their face going, oh my gosh, this is everything we've been praying for and believing for since we were kids and taught that the Messiah was coming. And some are going, you got to explain this to me logistically, how did this work? Okay, I don't know who, where you fall. Typically, I am not an administrative person in logistics person. And since I'm going, oh, cool, we'll just call it truth and let's rock and roll. And then some people are going, no, I need the facts. How did you conquer death? What did you say to Satan? Where are the keys that you took that I need you to explain? That's okay (laughs) to ask those questions. But we can't stay there. And what I love about Jesus, some worshiped, some doubted. And the next verse, but Jesus still came near to both. He doesn't kick one aside. He doesn't say, oh, you don't have it figured out, so I can't use you. He speaks to both of them and says, listen to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you, worshiper and doubter, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching others literally what I have taught you. Simple as that. Worshiper and doubter, you both have an assignment. The word commission itself, I've got a definition for you. The word commission itself means an instruction, a command, or duty given to a person or group of people. A group of people officially charged with a particular function. Officially charged. That the king of kings and the lord of lords... Where the government rests on his shoulders. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. Has given each one of you 
an assignment. Each one of you a purpose. Each one of you an identity to live out and to walk out. What an honor that is. A group of people officially charged with a particular function in the body of Christ. Here is what you are to do with your life. It's as simple as this. But we make it very complicated because obedience is hard and it costs us something. As believers, the Great Commission is our greatest assignment and our great purpose here on this earth. And I would even dare say that until you start walking in your God-given identity, in your God-given function, and in your God-given purpose, you will never feel fulfilled in what you are doing. Nothing will ever satisfy. Now, please hear me on this. I am not saying that if you're not going on a foreign missions trip every year, you're not living out your purpose. That's not what I'm saying. We all have a mission field right here where we are that God has entrusted to us to steward, to tend to, to shepherd. You have a part to play in the Great Commission. You each have a part to play. How awesome is that? That God sees each one of you and says she's or he is a part of this story of redemption. It's their obedience that's going to lead to somebody else's salvation. It's their obedience and their act of worship that is going to lead to people getting set free and families restored and communities changed from the inside out. I'll tell you this, worship in the Old Testament, this is just a side note, worship in the Old Testament, when you read through the Psalms, where it'll say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. If you know the verse, for his love endures forever. Give thanks. The word thanks in the Hebrew language is not a word you say, but an action you live. It is an act of worship for your whole life. Not just songs we sing. James 1, I love I love that Tammy had said this about James 1. James 1 literally talks about, like Tammy said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Romans says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. But what James is talking about is now walking it out is what brings your transformation. So what you've heard, now you need to do, and then you'll start seeing your life change. Because you can hear it all day long and forget it, but it builds up your faith, keep hearing it, keep saying it, all that kind of stuff, and now walk it out and watch your life change. I could tell you countless stories of people who have taken God's word, heard it, and walked it out, and not just living on mission globally, but also locally, because global missions cannot exist without the local church. It's not either or, it's both and. And when both work, the local church and the global church work together, that's when we see heaven come. That's when we see lives transformed. I'll just tell you that it's an act of worship, not just with my words, but with my life. Not just with your words, but with your life. Do you believe when we say, come alive in the name of Jesus? Do you believe that? Really? Or is it just songs you sing? Show us your glory we ain't ready for it. I'll tell you that. If Moses wasn't ready for it, I don't know if we are. Where he had to cover his eyes to go, you can't, God was so nice. You can't handle this, Moses. Get out of the way. Let me just cover you up. I can't handle it. But we sing it. We crave it. We desire it. Our, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, eternity is written on the hearts of man. 
We long for a place we've never even been before. And I'll just tell you a quick story about someone who was once a doubter who turned into a worshiper and then saw God move in his life. His name's Sam George. He's my friend in Opelousas. And I was like, Sam, this is your time, my guy, to lead a trip, you and your wife, Kim, and all that. And they're like, oh, I'm a Santa. I can't do it. God can't use me. I can't do this. It's too much. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, when I tell you again, I could sit here for six hours and tell you the testimony of God in their life, transforming them from the inside out. They had a story to tell. And they were too afraid to think, can God really use me? And can I even do this? And we talked with them and prayed with them and just going, you're getting on that missions trip. So help me. And we pushed him and Sam doubted, was so afraid. But I'll tell you this. He was thinking that God was going to go use him to change somebody's life, but God was waiting for him there to change him. And looking and going, the spirit of God who's with us always was also in the country we went to going, I've got something for you too. Because when you lay your life down in Matthew, it says it's actually when you really find it. But when you try and hold on to your life, it's actually when you really lose it. And Sam went and laid his life down and as an act of worship, walked out what he believed, regardless of what he felt, because what we feel and what we know were two very different things. He leaned on what he knew was the word of God and going, okay, I got to walk this out. God is with me. Spirit of God, there's nothing to be afraid of because the same power that conquered the grave lives in me and all that kind of stuff. And God started to change his perspective about his community. So you go back to Opelousas, who majority live below the poverty line. And he's driving through one park and going, man, why are these basketball goals have no nets? He started to notice things that most people would easily forget. And instead of going, somebody just needs to do something about that. He turns around and goes, wait, maybe that somebody's supposed to be me. Where God was showing him something different and going, if God is showing us something that we're noticing over and over and over again, it's not for somebody else to do the job. God's telling you to do it. And you go and you look. And you can drive around this community as well. And there might even be some things you start noticing. And going, ah, somebody should do that. The mayor should do that. Somebody or the, ch- the church needs to blank. Well, the last time I checked, we are the church. So it all can't rest on Pastor Don and Miss Kayla. It all can't rest on Pastor Sean or our staff. It can't rest just on us. We're the body of Christ for a reason. And if God is giving you a dream or you a desire or you an act of obedience to walk out as an act of worship, put on your big girl and big boy pants and walk out with some bravery and go, I need, I'm going to do this and God's going to meet me because in fear and doubt, it just tells you that I don't actually believe that God can do it. I don't believe that he's strong enough. I don't believe that he's good enough or faithful enough or can provide enough or anything like that. And going, no, God can do anything regardless of what you feel and regardless of what you know. And I will tell you this, when Sam went on this mission trip, he started to pour out as an overflow of what God has done in his life. Because in America, I'll tell you this, we are very richly blessed. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. I don't care about any of that. Because it's material things that the Bible says will one day fade away and it doesn't even matter. But looking and going, it's eternity is what we're after. And Sam came back never the same. 
That's what you're gonna hear on mission ships over and over and over again, never the same. Because we believe that when you encounter the presence of God and when others encounter the presence of God, that you are never, ever, ever the same again. That's our goal. And in turn, when we encounter the presence of God and when others do too, they turn around and lead others into the presence of God and share with them the gift of salvation and they turn around and it's a ripple effect to build the church where people can stand confidently and go, Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and I know it for myself. And I have nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be fearful of. It's all insecurity, it's all lies. The enemy's so good at what he does, he'll just slip that right in and call it a day and then walk away and go, I'll just let Hannah do her worst on her. And go, no. What this says is true and this is what we live by. So when the Bible says, when some worshiped and some doubted, Jesus came near. So listen to me, sweet girl, Hannah. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, but I've given you an assignment. Go walk it out. Go live it out. And I was 18 years old. I'm holding this rock for a reason. I'm not going to throw it at anybody. And I was walking out. Wouldn't that be crazy if I was just like, catch Um I was 18 years old. I felt called to the ministry from a very young age, like I said earlier. And it is not easy following God. Please hear me and let me just make that very clear. The Bible doesn't promise us it's going to be easy either. It says in John, be sure of this. <laughs> you will suffer and go through many trials and tribulations. And going, but it is all worth it. Go ahead, girl. And I was 18 years old, just deciding where I was going to college and what I was gonna do, because my mom and dad were like, listen here, sister, you ain't just riding on our coattail for the rest of your life, figure it out. And I'm like, why? So hard. And, we're, and I'm going, but I feel called to missions, I love that, but there was no ministry school, there was no this or that or anything, I had no options. But Pastor Jim Lafoon, has Pastor Jim been here before, Pastor Nolan? Okay, so Pastor Jim, y'all know him, some of you know him. At 12 years old, prophesied over me that I would be called to the mission field for a long time. Said a bunch of other cool stuff, I forget. But he had talk, was talking with my mom and dad one day and it said, if Hannah feels called to the ministry and feels called to the mission field, she needs to go to the best school that there is to go get trained. And that's in Manila, Philippines. And they were like, Hannah, this is awesome. This is what an adventure. My mom and dad are telling me all this stuff and I'm just cowering in doubt cowering in fear, just going, wait a second. I can't even tell you where North is right now. So how am I supposed to travel to a foreign country and figure it out by myself? And we were talking, I'm crying. I'm laying on the floor, all sprawled out, whatever. And my dad's like, ah, this girl's got to get it together. And my mom had all these rocks written out um, on her bookshelf because we were in her office, like faith, hope, love, all that kind of stuff. And he grabbed one of these rocks and he goes, listen to me. If you're gonna do what God has called you to do, you're gonna need a lot of this. And on this rock, it's the one he gave me 10 years ago. This is a rock I still have. And on this rock, it says the word courage. And he goes, in order to do this, because believe me, it's beyond you. Okay, he was very honest with me. Going, look, you ain't all cool and you ain't all that, sister. But I don't know why God's calling you to, but I guess he just chose you. <laughs> and he was very, keeps you humble, you know? And so he goes, you're gonna need this. We're gonna need this to release you into the world. 
And what I didn't know at 18, that was a word from God where I said, I need some courage to go to the Philippines and to get trained in missions, to move to Uganda after that and live there two years on the mission field by myself, learning an entirely different culture, an entirely different language. I was gonna need courage to come back to the United States, not because I wanted to, but because my work visa got denied, as with everybody else in the nation of Uganda who was not Ugandan that year. I was gonna need courage to come back to the States. I was gonna need courage to come on at a church that I only grew up in and never once served at. I was gonna need courage to adapt back to American lifestyle. I was gonna need courage when I would go through heartbreak after heartbreak, after betrayal, after, again, betrayal again. You, I mean, you just can't even, I lost count. When I was gonna need courage to go from Opelousas to come here. I can't lie. I was excited, but I was scared out of my mind. I was gonna need courage because I'm going, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why me? Of all people who's so messed up, who has so all these issues, all this kind of stuff. But the only way my doubt, because I was a doubter, turned into worship was when I started to get in the word of God and actually do what it said. And going, okay, let me walk out this in obedience. Let me walk out this in faith and go, okay, God, even when it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna do it. Because if you're pressing it on my heart, I just gotta act. Because I can't keep living in doubt anymore because doubt breeds discouragement. Discouragement will also breed whatever else, all the other kind of sins, insecurity, fear, anxiety, depression, all this kind of stuff. I'm going, I can't live here anymore. But if I really believe the Great Commission is our great assignment, I've got to walk this out and go, I have a part to play. And going, maybe instead of going by myself, we can bring people along for the journey with us. Courage for you in the room that might go, I want to put my hand to something in this house. I just don't know what. I don't feel like I'm qualified. Go to Intro to Serve and walk with courage. Go serve. Go pour your heart out. Stay here for the interest meet Courage. We're going, I don't even know about Jesus. Pastor Don will talk about that later, okay? <laughs> we'll set you up. But going, the only way courage actually walked out in my life was when I started worshiping. And going, in, in, in spite of how I feel, this is what I know to be true. And the best thing ever, and I'm gonna end with this, and the best thing ever is this, is that our courage is found in the one that we worship. It's in Jesus. And he's going right here in Matthew 28. You don't have to look for a different purpose. You don't have to look for a different calling in a person, a place, or a thing. It's right here with me, in me. Courage to walk out the Great Commission. But just in God's fashion and in his character, he gives us a Great Commission and then he leaves us with a great commitment that he makes to each one of us. Be sure of this, that I'm with you always. You're never gonna have to walk alone. You're never gonna have to feel by yourself. I'm gonna equip you. What you need, I got. So just stay close. Remember the original design? Stay close to me, I have everything that you need. And I just wanna quickly pray for you. If you're in the room, it's going, man, I, I need some of that courage. I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Pray for you and Pastor Don's gonna come back up in a second. But Father, I thank you for today, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Father, if they need courage, today, Lord. I pray that they remember that you are with them always, that everything they need is found in you. 
And if they just stay close, they'll be all right. Father, I pray for a spirit of courage to pour out amongst your people, God, to walk in the purpose, to play a part in the Great Commission. Father, I thank you that you're turning doubters into worshipers today, Lord, so we can reach the lost and disciple the found. God, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. amen. Many of you know the church is in good hands, huh? It is. I was so encouraged um, as I visited with Hannah and see all that God put on her heart and this Mission Sunday and where we're headed and all that. And I want to I remind you just a few things that I've, I've told you before. When the Word of God goes forth, it demands a response. It demands a response. And I, I wouldn't for a second allow us just to bow our heads and close our eyes and dismiss the service um, without responding to that. Why is world mission so important? She told you, when, when Jesus came and gave the Great Commission, here's, here's what he, basically what scripture said, some worshiped and some doubted. Some worshiped and some doubted. But did you catch what she said? All had to, all were called to go. Some worshiped, some doubted, all were called to go. And I think it's important, you gotta realize and you understand something that woven into the middle of this, something that I've seen in my life, and something that I've seen in the lives of those who have stepped out to go on the missions field. And it's this, our maturity, follow me, our maturity depends on the mission field. There is a f- part of the maturity that God wants to bring you that will not come until you get outside of your comfort zone and put your hands to something that God has given you. I know a lot of young people today are struggling over what's my purpose and I want to find my purpose and if I can only find my purpose, the Great Commission is the purpose. The reason why you haven't found your purpose is because you're not supposed to look for your purpose, you're supposed to do that purpose. The thing you're supposed to look for is your part within that purpose. And if we can just look at our part within that purpose, we'll accomplish the thing that God has called us to accomplish. I need you to understand, my maturity depends on the mission field. Listen, but the mission field depends on our maturity. The mission field depends on our maturity. I've told you this before, my favorite book in the New Testament is Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and one of the reasons why I love that letter is because he's writing to a bunch of mature believers. Philippians is the only letter that Paul writes in the New Testament that is not correcting any major doctrine or any major fallacy or church issue that they're walking through. He's literally talking to a group of mature church people who are growing and trying to become all that God has for them. Can I show you a passage in Scripture? This is Philippians chapter 4. Here's this passage. He's talking to this mature church. He says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except who? You only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Here's what he said. No other church. Macedonia would not have taken place had it not been for Philippi. Thessalonica would not have been taking place if it had not been for the maturity in Philippi. Not that I seek the gift, he says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your 
credit. He says something very similar to the church in Corinthians where he says, this benefits you. This benefits you. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then my God, listen, we know this verse, don't you? This is probably written on something hanging on your wall or that you'll hear on K-Love in the morning. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We know some people that like to claim that verse. But how often do we put it in context of what he's saying? The reason why God was willing to supply all of their needs according to Christ's riches is because they gave of themselves to somebody outside of them. I'm, I'm well taken care of, Paul said. But this church in Macedonia, this church in Thessalonica, wouldn't have existed if it hadn't been for the maturity that we found right here in Philippi. And because of that, I can trust that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our maturity depends on the missions field, but guess what? The mission field depends on our maturity. Do you see that? She said something today that was very powerful. Last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to send this out. When Jesus came in the middle of the Great Commission, that part, that part of the bigger purpose and the thing that God had called them to, remember the response between the two different groups? Some what? Some worshipped, some doubted, right? But I'm going to tell you this. Some went and some sent. Some went and some sent. All of them had a response. Every single one of us has a response to the Great Commission. Right? And if you are unable to go and be one of those who went, guess what you can do? You can be among those who go and who sinned. And I want to give us an opportunity today. Let's not blow through this. I would not be the pastor to you I want to believe if I came and just let Hannah preach a great message on missions and be like, oh, yeah, missions, great. Listen, if, it were, if, if you were to do what your pastor would want you to do, I would dismiss you and you would stay here and find out about this missions interest meeting and the things that are going on. Why? Because your maturity matters to me. And I'm not saying you got to commit to go, but I'm saying there are people in this room that want to make sure you can get there. And you may be sitting here saying, God, I would love to do that. I just don't think I could afford it. And there's a person over here saying, man, I could afford it. I just don't think I can go. And God's telling both of you, keep your seat. So we can make sure that there's a church that gets where it needs to go because your maturity matters. You with me? Some went, some sent. All of us have a part to play. You with me? Okay, I'm not even going to ask you to stand to your feet because I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads if you can. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I know we're talking about missions and the Great Commission and going out and being those who sinned. I was praying for you this morning and felt very specifically um, in this direction. Somebody showed up to church today, maybe more than one, and you said, you know what? I've been coming and God's really been working and I see and I know I need God. And if that pastor gets up there and he asks everybody to bow bow their heads and close their eyes, This is the week that I'm going to raise my hand. This is the week. 
whatever's been keeping you from doing that very thing, I want you to know God put you on my heart today and I prayed for you. That God would give you the courage not to doubt God, not to doubt yourself, but to worship him and watch him do the difference. If that's you and every head bowed and every eyes closed and you're saying, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again. I want to start to discover my part and the purpose that he has for me. I want to invite you right there where you are to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Keep them up. The balcony. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand up there too. Today's the day. You can put your hands down if you raised them. One more time. You might have been the person I was praying with that God put on my heart. I don't want to go through the rest of this day without an opportunity for you to join those who have raised their hand to follow Jesus. Real quick, anybody else, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you, I see your hand. Those of you that raised your hand, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And we're all going to pray this aloud, indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Say this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. God is my father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with those who are born again?